0: This is the WorkSmart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 173. Janet Thompson on The Power to Change. Welcome to the WorkSmart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Get ready to take some notes, because there are some amazing insights in this conversation. It's Jason Lynette here, back once again, session number 173, and this is an interaction with Janet Thompson, who I first met at the HypnoThoughts Live convention back in 2017, got to hang out with in my recent trip off to train a class in London, and looking forward to interacting with in person once again. And you're going to hear Janet's backstory here, in terms of beginning as somebody Working towards uh, exercise and working with people in terms of nutrition, yet realizing that there were a few elements that were missing that needed to be addressed. And that's what began a whole whirlwind career of exploring tapping protocols, NLP, hypnosis, and now being someone who brings it all together. So, working with the client as they are and what their greatest needs are, that's going to be a huge theme inside of this. And Stick through this conversation because there are some really, really amazing, empowered questions that you can learn and model from this dialogue that you could start to use with your clients for issues far beyond weight loss. So looking at how it is that we address what's in it for them, how we address what's the worst thing that could happen, and an amazing hypnotic creative process to go inside and discover how they got into the issue, but also how to get out of it as well. I'd also encourage with this one, make sure you do head over to the show notes, at worksmarthypnosis.com because I asked Janet for a few recommendations and we're going to put all those book recommendations there too. I've personally read her book, Placebo Diet. It's fantastic. Check it out and we'll link over to the free e-course that uh, is available online as well. So you can check out all the details there. And the main thing is, is that looking at the client as to who they are and letting it become that flexible process, not to necessarily do the same exact experience. With each and every person. I'd share my favorite insight of this dialogue is when I was asking, What are some book recommendations? I was really expecting things of a nutritional resource, as that's part of Janet's upbringing. Yet to instead hear the dialogue of all these books that are in terms of mindset, the mindsets in terms of change, and then how it is that by asking the right questions, the client is doing that search inside and revealing what needs the most attention to help us to build that more flexible approach. I'd also encourage while you're online, check out hypnoticworkers.com. This is the all access pass to my hypnosis training library, everything from instant and rapid inductions, client customization strategies, uh, universal strategies for change that you learn how to adapt for whatever the issue presents and all the nuances that need to be included. Plus, we include inside of their real client sessions. So you're able to model how from walking in the door to walking out the door, how it is the process really takes shape. ...rather than going, oh, here's the presenting issue, here's the protocol, how it is that during the dialogue we're chipping away at the change, how it is that we can seamlessly and conversationally hypnotize the person to get that change in motion so that before the process officially begins... The work is already in place. You can check that out, hypnoticworkers.com. You get access to everything starting at just $47. So with that, let's jump directly into this conversation. This is one I'm going to listen to once again, uh, and I'm going to go back and read Janet's book on the flight out to Hypnothoughts this year as well. So here we go. This is session number 173, Janet Thompson on The Power to Change.
1: The first entry point for me was definitely the physical side from the neck down. So, when I went to college after I left school and um, did a diploma in sports exercise and, and sports science, which involved learning how to teach loads of activities, it was really as if there was a huge divide between the head and the body. And we just did, didn't address anything from the neck up. So, it was all physiology. It was all sport. It was all about physical conditioning. So, that was my entry point into wellness. And I helped a lot of people with my programs and, and with just generally working, supporting people from the neck down um, for years before I, I suddenly traversed into the head side. So although my entry point was, was neck down, I, I was a pretty slow realizing that actually it's it's almost more fun doing head up <laughs> and putting the two together.
0: Yeah, you know, I'd share the quick story that years ago, and not to go to a negative right away, but I, I'm meeting with somebody who is a life coach, and the story is not meant to talk about that entire profession. It's just one person, mm-hmm. but I, I meet her, and it's this networking event, and she hears what I work on with people, and she goes, yeah, but I see people for the same thing, so I would never refer to you, to which I extend my arm and say, hi, nice to meet you, because uh, <laughs> that was the introduction, <laughs> and what do you do if you give someone the perfect plan and they don't follow through with it. And she goes, well, I yeah. fire them because they're not motivated, which I go, hallelujah, we yeah. found subconscious resistance. Let's go in and unravel it. So were there, yeah. were there were there were there certain challenges you were finding by giving people that series of actions?
1: You know, it, it was really um, frustrating. And, and to, you know, it sounds really evangelical to say until I saw the light, but it really <laughs> was like that. Um, and so I, I did a, a went on and did a master's degree. I trained as a nutritional therapist and that was great Um, and very much from the holistic side. And then I did a master's degree in nutrition and exercise science because I just had this belief that, you know, the more I learned, the more I could help people. I since learned that's not exactly true. Mm -hmm. Um, But, um, and, and so I created this color code system, which I still use and everybody that followed it did really well um, and in fact I did a, a fitness video for one of the books uh, over here in, in the UK and so we did a big before and after so everyone followed the program um, and they worked out twice a week and they followed the program and um, it was amazing and everybody lost uh, so sort of on average two pounds a week so we had all these before and afters. so and I trialled it for years and I knew it worked but I, then people would go yeah I know what I need to eat I just you know I just can't get motivated and and then I would get really frustrated and I'll tell you a story as well which is um, obviously a true story and so I was uh, at the time when I owned the health clubs I worked with one of the girls in the video and she'd lost a lot of weight and then she came to me after the shooting had finished a few weeks later and she said it's not working anymore I said, what do you mean? It's not working anymore. She said, well, it's just, you know, I'm doing the same, so it's stopped working. And I was like, well, do me a food diary. And I was looking at a food diary and going through and thinking, well, what can I change? And, you know, what do we need to tweak? And I literally lost sleep over this woman worrying about how I could help her and was I doing the best. Anyway, one day we'd had this chat and she was at, absolutely adamant it wasn't working. And I was walking upstairs and being an owner-manager, I had to do everything and the cleaner was off. So, off I was going upstairs to clean the toilets. Mm-hmm. And I walk into the changing room and I hear her talking. Before, couldn't see me, obviously, walking into the changing room. And I stopped and listened. They were talking about housework. And she said, oh, I don't mind. She said, I've got a neat little trick. So when I do my housework, I've got this on that's got pockets. And I put all of um, a, a different selection of those little mini chocolate bars that you can get. And every time I've done a room, I have a little bar of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> and I walked round the corner and I went, "Do you now? That's interesting. Do you think we should build that into our strategy?" And and um, of course she nearly fell off the chair. But that was a wake up call for me because I thought I'm trying to take responsibility here and give her a better program, and she's not taking responsibility for her behaviour. So I'm looking at it, going, "Do me a food diary. Let me look at this. Let me look at that. You know, what can I do to help her better? What what do I need to change in this food plan?" And it was nothing to do with that. It was that she, she was motivated to make the right choices when we were doing the video because she knew that she was going to be filmed. And she didn't want to be filmed at the end of 10 weeks um, and say, oh, no, I didn't bother filming it. So I've not done well. She wanted to stand there and say, yeah, no, look at me. And in fact, she lost 20 pounds, um, two pounds a week for 10 weeks. So she was delighted. But as soon as that had gone... And there was no benefit to sticking to it. She went back to to being what I what I affectionately started to term a diet victim, which is people who who would just set themselves up as a, as a victim of faith. oh no that diet doesn't work for me you know poor me oh no I tried that that diet doesn't work no no I tried that 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 doesn't work and the reality is most diets work whether they're good or not is another issue whether they're healthy or not is another issue, you know but a lot of even the inverted commas worst diets nutritionally can still result in weight loss
0: yeah i was about to bring Um, that up that there's the dialogue of and it's a statistic that likes to be thrown around which i don't have on top of my head but remember that 48 percent of statistics are often made up on the spot so looking (laughs) at (laughs) but it's where we see this language of you know the diet didn't work or you know statistics show most diets don't work and i always see that phrasing and i I say this to someone i'm five four and in my High school years at one point, I was over 200 pounds uh, now down around like 130 or so and up and down as I play the strength training game. But to look at you're you're right that, you know, the thing itself does work. I want to rewind back for a second, though, that you said uh, a color code system. What what, what does that refer to?
1: So when I did the um, when I when I did my master's degree for my thesis, um, I I was looking at my, my hypothesis, and it was phrased a little bit more elegantly than this. But basically, my hypothesis was: um, if people write down what they eat, how how much does it change what they eat? In other words, do they make better choices just because they're writing it down and result in weight loss? So um, I designed this. Um, program and so I had I put I had three health clubs then so I got loads of volunteers from the clubs and I just told them that I wanted to give them nutrition advice and um, see how well it worked. So, I was going to divide them into two groups and because there were so many of them, I was only going to assess them half at a time. So, could you half write down what you eat for the first five weeks? Could you half write down what you eat for the second five weeks? Mm -hmm. So that was the setup. And then to get them all on the same playing field, I said, um, I'm going to do um, for um, four weeks in advance a talk once a week for a couple of hours and I'm going to go through what is a fat, what is a carbohydrate, what is a protein, which exercise is best and I'm going to teach you all how to lose weight and give you all of this information. So they all come along for the first week, and i would got them all weighed and measured just so they got used to having all these different metrics taken because I had to do it in a variety of formats because it was a master's degree, so I couldn't just weigh. I had to weigh on different scales. I had to do three different types of um, body fat impedance, etc. So to get them used to that, we did that all before the talks just so they got more comfortable with that. And so I said on the first talk, I said, listen, I don't want you to change anything over the next few weeks while we're doing the talk. You can go away from here and eat fish and chips. I really want you all to start following this advice on the same day. Yeah, no, okay, there will. So... I went through the process of teaching them all the basic nutrition advice and and what happens actually when your blood sugar goes up and and why you can get fat on a no-fat diet and how your body turns sugar to fat and all of this stuff. And this this was, gosh, this was over, you know, 20-odd years ago before the whole low-sugar thing was popular. And I, I was teaching it then. And so then come, you know, after the four weeks, we start the program half wrote down for the first five weeks, half wrote down for the second five weeks. And so when I was doing the statistics, um, I found, as I had hoped, that whether they wrote down first or second five weeks, irrespective if they were in group one or two, that they lost more weight than the five weeks they didn't write it down. Um, And then I did a nice questionnaire, which again was very, very delicately and scientifically phrased, which basically says, how much of a pain in the butt is it writing down everything you eat? Uh, on a scale of one to ten, and they pretty much all wrote ten. So I had this information, was, which was, well, this is a useful tool because they clearly change what they eat, e- even if. And I didn't even look at if the food record was accurate because I assumed it wasn't, because there is there are volumes of studies showing that when people food record, they they're not accurate. But I really wasn't interested in that. I was interested in. Does it make you what we would now term mindful? You know, when I did my study, that wasn't a trendy term. But it made you more mindful if you have to write down what you ate. And they all said it was a pain in the neck.
0: I'll tell you what Um, I love about that, which is that there's a concern for many people I meet in hypnosis that, yes. The majority of us do not have the education that you have uh, and don't have the expertise. And to look at, yes, we're talking about a category of work where there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of, uh, you know, what's trending on the Internet this week. And I always flash back to a guy who, uh, well, I do Atkins in the morning and I do this program in the (laughs) afternoon and I do this thing in the evening. I'm like, no, (laughs) though, there's something to be said around in terms of, you know, just looking at it from a purely hypnotic standpoint, This aspect of getting the client more mindful is exactly what you just said, that we may not be the one saying go off and eat this. However, you're going to find it helpful to write down everything because it's going to bring it into the awareness as to what's actually there. I I have a client one time that this guy was convinced that as a uh, tow truck driver and his income was based on how many calls he could respond to in a day that he only had time for the drive through which um, anybody who sat in a drive-thru recently, they are not fast. And getting to the experience where he was suddenly now tracking things in a MyFitnessPal, just out of curiosity, was kind of how I introduced the idea to say, you know, just, you know, track what you're doing. It kind of gives you a nice mindset in terms of what's working and what's actually going in. And for him, this became a moment where he was then realizing that, as he put it, if I was eating food, if I was eating, quote, ingredients, It was hard to go over five or six hundred calories for a meal because I could look at my plate. I knew exactly what was there, which that was a moment of not telling him go off and eat this way. It was him being guided to the place to discover that for himself.
1: Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And so two things came out of the study. So the first thing was that um, I needed to make food recording easier and so I, so I tried loads of different ways and what I came up with is is just like a card so that's where the color code system was born so I thought rather than have to write down everything they eat all, all I really need to know is have you had a portion of protein have you had a portion of vegetables have you had you know essential fatty acids so I came up with the color code system which is really so easy it's just so easy and anyone can read it you know without without a an obvious plug, it's in the book, The Placebo Diet. Anybody can just go and read it and, and use it with my compliments. So with the color code system, you get a little, just a little card and, it, and it's got boxes, and you tick a box. So I have a, a pink, which is, you know, the more starch you want, you tick a box. If you have a blue, you tick a box. If you have a green, you tick a box. So you can get all the benefits of food recording without actually having to weigh, measure, and everything else. And backtracking to the talks that I did before, when I looked at the stats, and in fact, it was the guy that was helping me with the stats, my, my stats tutor. And he said, well, are you not going to include this figure? Let's have a look at where they were when you weighed them before the first talk. And those few weeks that you said to them, please don't change what you eat. And they all, absolutely all of them, Lost the most weight when I asked them. Please do not change what you eat. I'm going <laughs> to teach you. I'm going to teach you all about what your body needs. Then I want you to go eat fish and chips. And so those those uh, few weeks before the study officially started, they unconsciously because you know one of my favourite sayings uh, in, in all the workshops is awareness is curative. And when you're aware of something and your unconscious labels it as either good or bad for you, it, it subliminally changes your behaviour you know, un, under the conscious radar. And so, even though I was saying, "Please do not do not follow this stuff until we start," and it never occurred to me they would, <laughs> and yet, and and then I said to them, "Did you?" Change what you ate in the few weeks before, and they all went, "Oh no, no, no!" We carried on as we were, and they genuinely didn't realise they changed. And when I showed some of them, "Look, this—you know, this is what happened those few weeks when I was teaching you what to eat," they were like, "Oh, well, I don't think I change what I eat." And clearly, they did. So that was really the the beginning for me of of thinking I need to bring the psychological element in. I didn't know how to at that point, but I knew I needed to do it. And so I started running the program as the color code system and everybody just basically, they came to the talks, they learned, they they did the same as the study group. They came to the talks, they learned the difference between all the nutrients and I'm a really firm believer, um, and I know you know this anyway, in the power of BECAUSE. Yes. So if you just say to somebody, you know, you must eat this or don't do this or whatever, that that's really hard to adhere to unless you give them a really good reason. So if you say, you know what, this is what happens if you have too much, uh, let's say, bread, pasta, etc., your body will convert the extra glucose into fat. And that's, that's a one-way ticket. The only way out of the fat store is to be burnt. It doesn't come out the fat, go back into blood sugar when your blood sugar is low. And so this is why you need to not have many of these in the color code system. They're pinks, the starches. So this is why if you eat sweet potato instead of white potato, you don't get that sugar spike so so that's the because so rather than just going eat sweet potato Mm -hmm. I say if you want potato (laughs) have sweet potato because um you know if you if your digestion is poor have these foods because that will stimulate your liver you know etc etc so I I really um began to use this power of because and that's what those that you know the pre the pre-test if you like lessons really taught me was that once you give them some because and they understand, and then give them the power to choose rather than dictate. And, there, and there's some really good, really good studies about giving people choice in, in their own programs. Even I remember reading one where they had uh, people in an MRI scanner um, and they were measuring the effect of brain imagery and, and all these different colors. And when they got them involved with being able to predict what color to choose, then their pleasure centre lit up just at the prospect of being able to make a choice over something as mundane as what colour am I going to look at. or. Um, and so I think this getting people to take responsibility in a way that can give them pleasure is just an absolute win-win.
0: Well, it's also putting so, that choice on them. It's also putting exactly. that opportunity to them as opposed yeah. to... I, I flashed to... I did a workshop for a group of personal trainers once just on language patterns. And uh, this is coming perfect timing because a few weeks ago, the uh, July 5th session, uh, session number 171, um, was Karen Hand talking about... We had the theme of hypnotic freedom and it was all about breaking away from the written pattern. And so much of what we talked about was the word because. And this workshop for trainers was that they were asking about, okay, so here's the, and it may be a generational thing they were saying, but here's the 20-year-old trainer telling the 60-year-old client, you're going to do these kettlebell swings, and they go, I can't because of my back, and the trainer thinks to say, well, no, I'm your trainer, that's what we're doing today, and there's a brick wall, (laughs) as opposed to, we're going to do this kettlebell swing because it's going to help to strengthen your lower back, and they go, okay, (laughs)
1: yeah exactly exactly right and I think that that is absolutely key and so the the final point of that puzzle to answer your original question to to what was my entry point and got me to where I am was that we we had as I mentioned three health clubs and so at the end of each year we would do an achiever of the year award which was not who's lost the most weight award Um, people had had various challenges that they'd overcome but invariably One of them was someone who'd lost a lot of weight, maybe not the most weight of anyone in that club. Um, For example, I remember we had a guy who had polio and he was very restricted in his movements and they told him he would be in a wheelchair Um, and so he he, he ate himself into depression and and we worked with him and when I look back now – with knowledge and I understand the power of hypnotic conversation and everything, none of which I knew at the time. And I look at some of the conversations I had with him. Uh, I realized that as we all do, you know, we're all hypnotizing each other all the time, aren't we? And I guess what I had to do was unhypnotize him from some of the negative beliefs that his GP had given him. And so anyway, he lost enough weight that it took some of the stress off his joints. And um, not only did he not go into a wheelchair, but he went down from two sticks to one sometimes. So that was an example of the kind of achiever of the year. So it wasn't just out and out weight loss. But this one year, one of the girls um, had lost such a lot of weight. So it, she'd she gone for, I know the UK dress sizes are different. So she'd gone from a size 22, 24, which is really big, down to a 10, um, which is pretty petite. And she was, I'm five foot three and a bit. She was shorter than me. So she was a big girl. In weight, she, she'd lost, I think it was around six and a half stones. So it was a massive achievement, and it was a game changer for her, and it had helped her health and everything. So she was she was one of the winners this year, and we would really make a fuss of them and give them a really great prize. And so we were sponsored by um, uh, Essentials, which is a, a high end hairdressers, and a local photography franchise did a big photo shoot makeover. We had a stylist come in, and we took them shopping, bought them an outfit. We just made them feel like royalty for the day and then they had these photos at the end of the day to remember what an amazing day it was. And so we went shopping and the stylist said to the three of them, there was one guy and two girls this particular year. Off you go. Give me an idea of something that you'd like and let's let's try and make sure we pick something you like and then we'll stylize from that rather than me just go you are wearing this you know let's have some fun go shopping so she sent them all off Um, and this particular girl came back bearing in mind she was a size 10 with a size 12 to 14 it just looked like a single quilt cover a duvet cover i mean it was just no color no shape and we both looked at each other and looked at her and we said hey honey, you do know that you're not fat anymore, don't you? And she went, she put her hand on her head and she went, I know, I know, I just need to sort my head out. And something in my head went, ta-da, that's what you need to learn to
0: do.
1: (laughs) You need to learn to sort heads out. And I thought, hey, Janet, you need to go neck up. You need to go neck up. And so I was literally within a week on a clinical hypnosis course, um, and that was that that was like Alice through the looking glass for me. I was like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, this is really cool. Now I can really seriously do my job and make a difference. And then so from there, you know, I was completely addicted and, and did NLP and thought field therapy, which I find incredible the tapping to as the single most effective technique to prevent self-sabotage and cravings and things so i i just i was like oh i was just like a child at christmas running around trying to open all these presents with all these new skills that i was learning and so then i renamed the program power to change which became the name of my training company and and my private practice if I'm seeing people because I thought well, I'm not just using this stuff with weight loss clients wow I can fix anxiety I could do this I could do that so um yeah I traversed into the the uh, wonderful world of change work and and I and then I but it was as if I'd emigrated to another country like everyone in the health and fitness industry was oh no no she doesn't do that anymore I was like yeah I do I do two things now. Right, yeah. We have a head and a body. I do both. Guess what?
0: And I'd imagine there's people who you'd work with that they come to you for one of those things and then it becomes the entire system.
1: Yeah, because you can't, you know, I, I look back and I think, how did I not even realize you need to do both? I don't know how I got as successful as I did from just doing the neck down
0: though correct me that there were there were elements where you're realizing going through the hypnosis training i mean back to the moment of you know you don't have to uh you know you don't have to change what you're eating you can have whatever you like you can have the fish and chips uh which you're throwing in a bit of the reverse psychology i mean i flashed to uh, i'm doing a program at a high school and they're suddenly sticking an introduction into the hands of a student and I walk over, and many of you know my sense of humor, and I just walk over very friendly. Hey, here's this. Use as much or as little as you want. And the last name is pronounced Lynette. And you know when you're up there, just remember, if you so much as mess up one word, that's all anybody's going to remember. And I walk away. And <laughs> but ever <laughs> since I started doing that, which sounds like the cruelest thing I could do, they get up there and they're having fun now. As opposed to if I, if I said, yeah. get up there, have a good time, just relax. They're terrified. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. Exactly exactly and and it was just it it was an absolute game changer for me and then I and then I thought you know I need to I need to join the two because there are people out there with great nutrition programs there are people out there with cool hypnosis stuff but hey guys you you don't need two programs you need one holistic program because if you haven't noticed your head and your body are joined and of course there are you know, we have a gut brain. We have the same neurons that we have in our brain, in our gut. The only difference is instead of being all congealed into a brain shape, they're spread around the gut like a mesh lining. But they speak, they communicate, they send information. So how can we possibly not address the issue of how we think and feel about food? And you know, what, one of my big strap lines is, you're free to choose, but you're not free from the consequence of the choice. And everything you eat has a consequence, and that comes free with the food. It's a buy one get one free. So be careful what you choose, because what you eat is not just the food. You you have to wear the consequence. Um, and so then, when you start to increase that awareness, of where, back to as I said earlier, awareness is curative. That mindset, people start to make different changes, and that takes me back to where I was with my study and I thought, God, all I did was tell them this is what happens when you eat and they start to pay attention and they change what they eat and and the single most common feedback I get from people on my program is I've lost X amount of weight, I've got X amount of dress sizes, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm on a diet and as if it's a problem and I'm like, Hi, <laughs> um, you know, you're free. You're free from that because your relationship with food is the longest relationship you ever have. And it is a relationship. It can be abusive or nurturing, but it is a relationship. And it's your responsibility, as with any other relationship, to nurture it and work with it. And in the same way, would you go and spend time with someone that bullies you, that would that would be very abusive. That would have an impact on how you feel. And in the same way, if you have that relationship with food and you put in foods that physically bully you, well you have to take those consequences. And to make the change, you just love the foods that love you back. And that, again, you know, I I love all these strap lines because you've just got to make it really simple. You're free to choose, but you're not free from the consequence of your choice. So for goodness sake, learn to love the foods that love you back.
0: That's beautiful. I love that. I love that. And and part of the reason why I'd reached out to you, and I mentioned this before we uh, jumped on here, that to look at the integrative way that you've blended the two together now, that I see too many people – who are out there giving their clients – oh, look at the food metaphor that's about to pop up here. They're giving the clients a menu for things that they're not yet in a place that they know uh, what to choose. And I, I'd even expand this to an almost comical thing, but I see this frequently of, oh, I'm this much money for Reiki. I'm this much money for massage. I'm this much for the hypnosis. I'm this much for the health coaching, as yeah. opposed to be the product, be the experience, and blend it together as the, the deal with what emerges pattern that comes out of it.
1: Mm, yeah absolutely for sure because at the end of the day you know we are as coaches or therapists in a very privileged position of being able to change someone's life I mean geez that I mean it is really you know sometimes I come out of a session and I think well that you know they're trusting me with their life and their health to change their life and and I, I really need to honour that and and give the best possible advice because when you're working with um, weight loss, it's so much more than weight loss. Because losing weight, if if you're obese or morbidly obese, it's a, it's a, not just a game changer; it's a life changer, and that has value that that just can't be compared to a Reiki session. Not that don't get me wrong; I'm a Reiki master. I love my Reiki, but it. Don't underestimate the value of what you do because, and it's the same with stop smoking sessions, isn't it? You know, you can have one session and save a life. So I think we have to just really understand that when we change minds like this, we literally can change and save lives. And that that's pretty cool
0: yeah, it's where so many other things now open up or the the domino effect of now that I've done this, I can do that. yeah and, uh, i I'd share that the timing here is perfect. There's no secret that I uh, batch record these. This is releasing in July, and here we are in late June. Uh, and perfect timing. I had Rick Green on the program uh, the session right before you and I are releasing here. And I forget if it's actually on the recording or if it happened after after we wrapped up recording. But Rick goes, yeah. But then I met Janet Thompson, and she had the absolute <laughs> best description of tapping and how it works and why it works, and that's why I use it with everybody now. Cool. Not to put you on the spot, but uh, no, really <laughs> what, what's what's that's your take? Really what's good. your uh, what, what's your intro to that? What'd you say?
1: Well, with with tapping with TFT, it's about understanding that the body the body has highways that you can see so ways things are transported around the body so we have the cardiovascular system the nervous system the lymphatic system we can see and measure them but we also have the meridian system which in traditional Chinese medicine was discovered many centuries ago and, and think of these like information highways and so inform, information flows through these highways and what happens when you have um, a, a misinformation it's like having a An accident on a highway that you get all of these blockages and if you can literally using the pump deliberately tap into that spot and clear that then traffic can flow freely again and so with TFT when you get the right tapping point it, it literally just clears that blockage and I have found with TFT more than any other modality I use and I love all of them is that TFT is the most effective for collapsing negativity and self sabotage and we have something which is uh, Roger Callahan who created the you know, all tapping stems from Roger Callahan yes. so all the other the versions that the EFT and all the others all of which have their value come from Roger and Roger, if you look at some of his interviews online, he says, my main discovery was this principle of psychological reversal, which you can literally measure with a voltmeter. You can put you know, one on your thumb and one on the back of your hand because the polarity on the front and the back of your hand are different. Uh, And you can say, think about someone you love and it will go into the positive and think about someone that really distresses you or upsets you and it goes negative. And then when you literally tap the side of your hand, which is the karate point, you tap the side of your hand and then take another reading, you can think about that negative person and your energy stays positive. And so what happens with psychological reversal is that it, it literally gets you to do the opposite of what you want to do. So... So much of overeating is about self sabotage. You know, I remember when I submitted the manuscript for the book, the ed, the um, the editor phoned me and she said, "Yeah, we absolutely love it, but there's just one bit, and we think this is it's a bit strong. Can we just ask you to have a think about it?" And I said, oh, "Okay, what? Which bit is it?" I knew exactly what she was going to say. I said, "Which bit is it?" And she said, "Well, it's this bit." And she read me the paragraph when I said. Consider this. Every time you overeat or eat something you know that's really not good for you, it's just another form of self-harming. She said, we think that's a bit strong. And I said, well, I don't think it's strong enough, Mm -hmm. actually. I I would, I want to, I'm going to have another look at that and see if I can phrase that more strongly because it is self-harming. And so, when people have this this wave of negativity, they're more likely to make all the choices that self-harm. And so, getting into the habit, and this is one thing I teach everybody, every time you wash your hands or waiting for the kettle to boil, get into a routine of just tapping the side of your hand because it's such an easy thing to do. And sometimes that's all it takes when you're walking past a vending machine to just tap the side of your hand and go, you know what, I, I'm, I'm literally going to think more positive. And, and there's... the can be used for, for specific cravings or for anxiety or fear of failure. Because, you know, one of the questions that I always ask is um, a two-part question. So part one. What's the best thing that will happen when you lose the weight? And they go, oh, it'll be amazing, and I feel like this, and I feel like, And they just have no problem with giving me all this information. And then I say, okay, part two of the question, what's the worst thing that will happen when you lose hmm. this weight? And the answer is usually after much eye rolling and searching and head shaking. Well, nothing. Nothing. I sometimes get, I'll have to buy new clothes. That's the most negative thing ever. And I say, well, that's not quite the case. There has to be a negative side, otherwise, you'd have done it. Yeah. So something in your psyche has sabotaged it. Uh, something has made you see weight loss as a, as a negative. You know, and, and I did a, a Skype session day before yesterday with a girl and uh yeah i wanted i really and i said you know convince me you want to lose weight oh and she gives me all the blurb and in fact she's um an actress so yeah it was all about getting more parts and etc etc so and then i said okay so i want you to that that's been the case for quite a while now so why haven't you done it yet oh no i just need motivate i just need this and so i said okay i want you to close your eyes and and Go into this amazing time machine where you go out into the quantum world and somewhere in this quantum world, given that we all know in the quantum world at least everything exists, so there is a you that's already changed, and let's go visit her and see what she says. So off she goes, and uh, I said, fight you right." You're coming into this paradigm, and here she is, and and when you open your eyes, you'll see her and see her life and see what she sees, hear what she, you know, feel how she feels. And um, so I'm watching her face on Skype, and she's like, yeah, "Yeah," and I'm like, "Can you see her?" And she says, "Yeah, yeah." I said, her, "How how happy is she?" And she went, "She's really boring. Oh, she's so boring." And 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 there we go. So this fear of weight loss in in that she originally had was I'll become a boring person. And I said, okay, so out there in the quantum reality is another you. She's found a better way to do it, and she's not <laughs> boring. So go find her. Let's go find her. So off she goes a few minutes later. H- have you found it? Yeah, she's better, but she's not quite. I said, okay, let's quantum hop. Off you go. Find the one who's really got it right. I think it was about the third or fourth time she went, oh, yeah, now we're talking. Now we're talking, now i found her. Um, and, and so suddenly she can start to, to see, literally and metaphorically, a way of making the changes that won't make her boring and all the things that she was afraid would happen if she lost the weight. She could now see a way of doing it and not be boring and have fun. So I think it's really important to ask that question and actually I use that in a, in a lot of my treatments. What's the worst thing that will happen if you succeed? if it's change work because there is always something that stops them and it might just be fear of exercise and I, you know, the belief is I've got to exercise and get hot and sweaty and I don't like getting hot and sweaty or it might be something like it will change me as a person. It doesn't matter what it is but there's always something and, and, you know, anybody listening to this who's ever done any sales training knows the first rule of sales is identify the objection and overcome it before you ask to buy. And I think we can take that principle with the unconscious mind. We're asking the unconscious mind to buy into a whole new set of behaviors. And if we can find out in advance of the behaviors, instead of waiting to find out why it didn't work, have a look at why it might not work, overcome that, and then find a program and a strategy that takes account of all that. And this is why no one diet program works for everybody. People have got to have the flexibility. And go, yeah, no, I can do it. This way. And she's fun and she's not boring and she's happy and she's satisfied. And yeah, no, I, and I said, do you want to be her? Who do you want to be? You now, all of these ones you've She said, no, I want to be her. I said, okay, let's bring her back with you through the, let's keep her. And she's just beaming. She's gone from looking miserable as sin to just absolutely beaming.
0: So, I'm curious to ask just of the user experience that someone's coming in to work with you, someone's beginning that process. How does it all begin to mesh together?
1: Well, do you mean how do I start a session? Where do I begin?
0: Yeah, I mean does it uh, does it begin with? And I'm sure it's flexible, though. Is there some yeah. sort of structure to how you're combining the? I love the, the the mindset of the head up and the head down.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the the first, I mean, pretty much those two questions are where I start. What uh, and the other thing is, so why, why today? What well, I'm always interested in the trigger point, you know, and again, I learned this when we had the health clubs, people would come in and say, oh, you know, can I have a look at how much is it? What do you do? And I'd sit down and chat and, and then uh, I'd say, um, you know, so how long have you, how long have you been overweight or unfit or unflexible or whatever it was they wanted to change? And they might go, oh, yeah, well, it's really been the last few years. I say, okay, how long have you known we were here? Oh, no, I've always known you were here. So why today? Well, because. And so I want to find whatever the because is. So the the why today question is always um, because I'm finding some kind of leverage that I can use. That's information for me moving forward. And then the second thing is what's the best thing and what's the worst thing? Because right out the box, I want to get an idea of what their limiting beliefs are, what they think will happen, the, the best and the worst. So that's my start point. And then I guess I would say um, I, I always do a little bit of, of mind and food and link the fact that, you know, food really affects how you feel. So we're back to the because. So if they say, well, I get highs and lows. And, and one of my favorites is Um, for me as a a question, as a therapist, is to say, okay. so imagine I'm a friendly alien and I'm doing um, a a psychology degree in humans and I'm going to float down and uh, I've been assigned you to model and find out how you think and feel and I'm going to write a thesis on how, how humans get fat. So can you share with me how you got fat? And by the way, I I always use those terms. And in the setup at the beginning of a session, you know, I make it very clear in terms of language, I'm not going to be politically correct and go, oh, well, you know, are you a bit concerned about your BMI? Oh, I want to use language that the person uses. So if they're saying I'm fat, then I don't see it as an F word. I think it's perfectly acceptable to not have to be politically correct. So i so I'll tell them I'm here to study fat humans and I pick you. So would you share with me your strategy for getting fat and and teach me how you got that relationship with food? And then I just sit back and listen and they go, Well, what you need to do
0: is <laughs>
1: you need to do this and you and, and so they if once I put it in that context, they see it as a um, you know a privilege oh she's chosen me to teach her great well I'll tell her everything I do
0: which goes back so to have, again you don't have to track you don't have to worry about what you're eating just write it all down but now you're exactly. bringing into the consciousness and they're they're having exactly. to think about it. it's like oh yeah well when you get sad you go off and grab this and yes. when you think you're in a hurry yeah I love that
1: yeah so so then I and then my you you know I nearly always finish with by the time they finish and we nearly always ends up with with giggling that's that's seldom a serious place to start and then I usually go oh okay so when I write my conclusion what can I put how is that working for you <laughs> <laughs> and I go, oh, not, not, well, I'm getting fat I said oh, okay that's interesting so here here's the thing on my planet everybody's slim do you want to do you want me to teach you some strategies that we use oh yeah okay so um, and, and I interested in well, do you start the head first or food first because it's very important that people recognize that this is you know your heart has two pumps You, you have two lungs you have two kidneys you have two hemispheres in your brain a lot of this stuff comes in too so you have two parts of your mind the conscious mind your unconscious mind and and how you treat your body you you have your mind and what you put in emotionally and you have what you put in nutritionally So we're going to work with both and whichever one we do will spill over into the other one. Where where do you want to start? Um, And and then I might give them a because and they say, well, I get all these highs and lows and I say, well, you know, we we can do some tapping, some hypnosis, we can do all this stuff for food cravings. But did you know that if you eat a lot of high carb foods, um, so the breads, the pasta, which are pink on the color code system, if you have too many pinks, what happens with some of these foods is that, that you get this from the foods that you eat, this massive serotonin rush and so you get this real high and then you get anchored to that high so now you've got a chemical high because of the food you've eaten and you've anchored it emotionally and what happens neurologically is that your brain says hey we don't need to make serotonin so much now because you know he or she is putting so much in in the diet let's just down regulate and so when you want to feel good your body's now not making serotonin so of course the solution is go reach for, for the carbs and, and the foods that give you a very quick serotonin hit that aren't slow release, that's an instant hit. Um, so if you stop eating those foods and you can reduce it gradually over a couple of weeks, your serotonin production goes back up. So we, we can do all these techniques for cravings, but also be mindful that the behaviors that you choose nutritionally are also going to directly impact how you feel. So now I've got a really another powerful because, and I can do anchoring and I can collapse the anchoring for the cravings and all of that. But they're aware that there's a chemical element to that as well from the food.
0: What's beautiful about that is that you are beginning by giving them that choice. We can go this direction or that direction, yet here's how, if yeah. we choose this route, it's going to benefit the other. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've seen the game of Yes, there's the client who maybe calls in strictly to a hypnotist and says, well, I have a fear of flying. I want to lose weight and I got this habit and I've got this and I've got that. And, you know, the the thought from some would be we have to go laser specific. There was a dialogue. Um, there's a previous session that I always remember it as the uh, the second version of the name, which was Larry Elman has a lot of issues, uh, but was actually working on multiple issues with Larry Elman. And we the, the the dialogue popped up in a class. That someone was going, yeah, but if you work on too many things, you're going to overload the mind. You can only work on yeah. one thing at a time, to which, no, everything is a multifaceted issue. It's not just the strategies, yeah. it's the mindset, it's the behaviors, it's everything inside of it. And I love that nuance of throwing in the because, of here's how this is also going to influence this other part.
1: Exactly. And and you, you just... When you do it like this, you know, with with my approach, my whole goal has been do one and get a bit of the other. So whether I'm doing food or whether I'm doing behaviour, I've I've always got a toe in both camps, so that they're getting benefits. There's a there's a cross re- cross reference all the time. You know, you breathe in and you breathe out, but they're both they're different, but they're part of the same process. Um, you know, and it's it's like you know the heartbeat is a boom, boom not just one boom. There's two parts of a, a life providing process and i think if you if you have that mindset uh weight loss and by the way you know it's not always just weight loss i've just did a, I do a retreat here at champneys which is a luxury retreat and i get skinny people on it with the worst eating disorders so it's not just about weight loss you know as i said it's your relationship with food is the longest relationship you ever have. And there's plenty of skinny, unhealthy people out there who've got a dreadful relationship with food. So so with with the placebo diet, it's, it's about a program of enhancing your relationship with food, whatever your start point, whether you're a, a skinny bulimic or you've had a history of, of abusive food habits or whether you're overweight it doesn't matter what your start point is you know the the center goal the safe haven is a safe relationship with food
0: which brings uh, a moment that i want to ask you about in terms of how you'd approach this because this is one that i i don't like to play the game of it's always the same thing but if i get the phone call and it's uh Female real estate agent over 50, I got the story before she says it, which is that I don't eat anything all day. I put everything else first, and then there I am in the evening, and then it's anything and everything. Which, as a side note to this, yes, there is a strategy of intermittent fasting, which is very strategic. (laughs) And I honestly did it for three months before I knew it had a name. I was just being lazy and going, I'm not really hungry till noon. Let me do this for a while. And someone goes, Oh, you're doing. You're doing the sixteen yeah. eight thing. I go, wait, what? And I read into it and I kept it up for a year and a half and found a lot yep. of great results. But this is a different category where it's that feast and famine schedule where there's just nothing yeah. throughout the day. They're putting everything else first and then, dear God, in the evening it all just erupts. How, how is it that you go about working with that that style of category?
1: And again, it's really about knowledge is power uh, and explaining, well, what happens if you have all your food in the is that it will, there's a strong likelihood that it will get converted into fat because now what happens is you're elevating your blood sugar and you're not moving. So, it, you know, it's a bit like blood sugar is a bit like if you imagine your car on tick over, it's constantly ticking over the, and the fuel is going down and so it needs to be replaced and topped up because it's constant. But when you go and drive, obviously, you need a lot more fuel and you burn more fast, you know, burn food more quickly. So, when what happens when you eat in the evening and then you sit down, it's like trying to fill your tank up um, and not going anywhere. And so, it has to go somewhere. So, it then gets converted into fat and goes into the fat cells where actually it's not about eating less, it's about possibly eating maybe the same number of calories but spreading out over the day so that you burn them as you eat them. But with, with the color code system, that's the whole point. And it's like, you know what, um, if you if you have this this and this color and this color, you won't be hungry. The food cravings will go. And actually, it, it's quite hard to try and keep going. And, and you know what I do find, Jason, is when often when people say that I don't eat during the day, if I really question them, Actually, they do, but they don't class it as food because they'll grab a chocolate bar when they go to refuel the car. But they don't say, oh, no, I didn't have lunch. No, I didn't have that. But And I say, so what, what has, you know, if I had a gun to your child's head and said, you tell me anything you've eaten today. Well, no, I only had. And I only had a coffee with two sugars because I hadn't eaten. I only had a, a latte because I hadn't eaten. I only had a biscuit with this because I hadn't eaten. Uh, well, actually, that is eating. So we we have a great program over here. I don't know if you have it called Secret Eaters, where they do exactly that. So they take people who say, "Oh, I can't lose weight, and I follow all this and everything else," and then they hide cameras everywhere in their home, and and they have uh, they follow them around. And then, of course, come the end of it, they sit there and they say, yeah, well, this is what I've done. And then they show them all the footage. Of course, they can't make the program anymore because everybody knows now right. <laughs> that there's going to be cameras everywhere. But we had a few series of it and it, and it was really interesting. People, they'd interview them in the evening. They go, no, no, I haven't eaten all day. And then they'd show them the footage and they'd grabbed a biscuit here or they'd open the fridge to get the milk out for coffee and just grabbed a handful of something. And, um, it, you know, this, this deletion. Of what you eat is also a big part of that. So when when they say that to me, I think, well, that may be true, but that may be not true as well.
0: I, yeah, back to something I had mentioned earlier that there's. Uh, I, I see the concern that from some that going. Yeah, but I don't have the experience. I don't have the exact knowledge. Are there? Which my my strategy over the years has been: here's the person coming in for something. And I can comfortably ride that line of the recommendation by saying, oh, here's an interesting website you might look at. Here's a book. You know, I I get people who'd often show up and they're mentioning that, oh, one of my goals as I lose the weight is I want to run a half marathon. And I can can point to two specific books that just go, you know, these are great reads. One is called Chi Running. The other one's called Primal Endurance. It's just basically about better form and better nutrition, yeah. check them out, rather than me going, oh, you should eat this, you should eat that, yeah. because that's me coming from an expertise that is, let's call it out, more yeah. anecdotal. Are there, uh, yes, you have yours, of course, which we'll definitely want to talk about here next, just in terms of the, the modern practitioner and making that recommendation to at least nudge in a new direction. H- how would you go about recommending that bridging that, that dialogue?
1: Well, I, I have um, in the back of my book, I put a reading list and I do nice. exactly as you do is um, I say, and, and you know, and if I'm doing a workshop, I say, hey, if you want to buy the book, that's great. If not, get your phone, take a photocopy, of the, take a picture of the reading list anyway. Um, and there are two or three books, which I think are beautiful, which I plug relentlessly. Um, one of my favorite authors is a fellow Hay House author, and he's a guy called David Hamilton, and he wrote a beautiful book called One for you um, and, and i think David's the recording kind
0: of dropped out there for a second what was the name of the book
1: why kindness is good for you hmm. um, and he's just written a really beautiful book now called i heart me um, and david is a uh, um he was actually a, a scientist a pharmacist um, and a doctor of pharmacology and he used to make cancer and um heart disease drugs And so he would, uh, at the end of the trial, when they were going through the study, uh, I I forget the exact figures. So... um don't sue me if I'm wrong, but I think it's 40%. And and at the time, it was okay. So, if we have a 40% success rate on this trial and, and none of the forbidden side effects, then it gets a license, which obviously is multi-million, potentially billion pounds. So, he said, we'd be sitting around and it would be, hey, guys, 41% and out would come all the celebration. And he said, I would be sitting there going, guys, the placebo group got Forty-two or <laughs> sixty-two, um, and it, and it bothered him so much. And and he said, you know, uh, that any the placebo group would get anything from from thirty to ninety percent, depending how the placebo effect was delivered. And so he left. He left the profession and and really started to work into the mind and the behavioural and the placebo effect. So anything by David Hamilton, check him out on YouTube. He's he's just absolutely brilliant. And then the the Michael Singer book, which is The Untethered Soul, has got the best description of um, internal voice and internal dialogue I've ever heard in the first chapter. And in fact, I have that on Audible, and I play that often in my workshops. Because it's, it's about self-worth and understanding that the words that you say to yourself will have a huge impact. And and things like the Amy Cuddy TED Talk. These are all links that I'm always chucking out to people all the time. The the Amy Cuddy TED Talk where she teaches how important it is to stand in a strong position um, uh, as opposed to just the dialogue. So all of these little techniques. and, And I always say to everyone, hey, don't just take my word for it. Go and check out these other people and this will get you on the right track to to support anything I do or if what I do is point you in the direction of someone else that helps you, that's a good day's work.
0: That's outstanding and I love that the recommendations are, you know, the mindset books in terms of, again, from the neck up.
1: Yeah. 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 There's some really, there's some really lovely books out there.
0: Yeah. So tell us more about Placebo Diet.
1: So it, it was interesting because I wanted to call it initially easy slim, but we have an airline called EasyJet and every possible connotation of easy has been taken. So when I went, because, uh, you know, the, the principle was it's, it's easy to slim, but the problem is it's, it's easy not to. Uh, and, and actually, there's another really good book, which I must mention, which is called The Slightest Edge. Um, and, and he says in there, you know, it's easy to change. The problem is it's it's easier not to change. And, and the difference can be finite. And in the slightest edge, he talks about it's not the big things that we do. Sometimes it's the little things that we do all the time, the compound effect. So I had this this mindset that, it, you know, I would use this word easy. Anyway, I couldn't register it. And so I was thinking about, well, really this is about your relationship with food and so much of this is about emotional eating, whether whether you've used it, you know, you're a skinny bulimic or, you know, an overweight, obese person with health issues. The the issue is how you think and feel about food and does the food make you feel better or does it make you feel better because you think it will make you feel better? And I thought, well, that's the placebo effect. Food, food is the biggest placebo when it comes to emotions um, and so that's that's where I, I came up with the title. But the difference, of course, between a medical placebo and a trial, is that if that placebo works, uh, and and my favourite, um, and my favourite placebo study, is um, where they took, um, and, and this is out of another uh, really brilliant book called The Biology of Belief by Bruce Lipton, which is also on my re- reading list. Where they, there was a surgeon and he was doing knee surgery and he wanted to compare his knee surgery to his old method. But of course, they had to have a placebo group. So the placebo group went into theatre, believing they were having this amazing new technique. They inserted the needles exactly the same. So when they came out, it looked like they'd had surgery. They'd actually punctured the skin and put a little stitch either side. The only difference is, is that they put, put the apparatus in and took it out without doing anything. And the recovery rate was exactly the same in the <laughs> placebo group as the new group. And then, and that's not even medication. So this is how powerful. And, and of course, it, the probably the best example of the placebo effect is Morris Goodman, um, the miracle man, which if you've never seen, you definitely need to look. And that's a video I regularly show on workshops. So the difference with that is that the placebo effect is it's long lasting. That's it. You know, these people, their knees healed and fixed and and that was it. Whereas the placebo effect of food, it can be as little as two or three minutes. And sometimes people say to me, well, I enjoy the bar of chocolate when I've started eating it. But if I've gone from a big bar, I have to eat really quick because I know by the end of it, I won't be enjoying it. I'll be feeling guilty. Hmm. So for some people, the placebo effect is seconds. So I thought there was lots of ambiguity to the title. Um, And I I wanted to talk about the foods that genuinely make you feel good. So, you know, in the nutrition section of the book, there's, um, and, I've, and I've just updated all the color code system now. And, uh, I, I'm always on the ball with research and I was at a food conference last week and, and I make sure that I'm on the money and top of my game with the food. So, that, so there's all the is in there. So these are the foods that genuinely make you feel good. These are the foods that we use for neurotransmitters. These are the foods that we use for this, for that. So um, it, it's about understanding that if you really are eating something because you know it's good for you, you don't need the placebo effect. It's just good for you. And and conversely, the nocebo effect is if you believe something will hurt you, then it, it will hurt you. And um, I'll tell you, if I may, the, the scariest story I ever heard about nocebo is, which was a Japanese study and I have this somewhere Jason so if you want me to find it and send it to you uh, I will but it it was a Japanese study I believe in the 50s where this psychologist went in uh, and he said I need a volunteer off death row to try this experiment Um, and so all these people were going to be shot and this one volunteered and the experiment was he said to this guy you know look, I can't I can't get them to pardon you and save you. But what I can offer you instead of being shot is a really peaceful death. And so what we're going to do is, is you'll come in and it will be a very relaxing environment and we'll blindfold you and we'll make a little incision either side of your neck. We'll put a little pot to catch the blood and you'll literally just bleed and go to sleep. So this guy said, yeah, that's a better option than being shot. So they bring him in and they blindfold him and they get him all relaxed. Um, and then they make a scratch either side of his neck on his arteries, but don't break the skin. And they put a little pot. But then what they've also got is a drip, which obviously you can't see because he's blindfolded, which drips water and sounds like <laughs> the sound of blood dripping. So they And he goes off into the deepest trance. And then they, they said after, I think it was 12 minutes, um, okay, he, he's in a deep trance, let's just wake him up now and talk to him. And they tried to wake him up and he died. Oh, wow. And, and, and I think as much as where I say to people, you know, this is the placebo effect, it will make it good. I think sometimes a shock story like that is necessary to go, so you better be careful of your negative thoughts because they're as powerful as your positive ones. So so let's stop doing all of that negative stuff because that also creates pathways that changes your physiology. So this is how important it is to really pay attention to what you're thinking because your thoughts can change your body.
0: There's an amazing study, too, where there was uh, two groups and they were both being given a medication. One was the equivalent of like an energy pill, the other one the equivalent of a sleeping pill and being told they received the opposite. And I I forget the exact number, but the the people were reporting substantially that the one that they were being told they were getting Mm -hmm. was what the response was, even in spite of the medication, which it's how in, in just in recent months, you know, in my emerging pattern with a client having them go to that place where they self-suggest that, you know, this is a turning point that, you know, let's take everything we've already done and make it even stronger. Uh, Before we wrap up here in a couple of moments, if you had to make uh, maybe one or two recommendations for let's call it out, the, the hypnotist, the, uh, the practitioner, the NLP person who's working with weight loss, uh, what, what's like that one thing that one or two things that they should be more aware of in terms of helping those clients.
1: So number one is find the objection, because if you've got somebody who's just come to you, first time ever, then that will probably be an easier ride for you. But if you've got someone who's been overweight for a long time and has lost it and regained it several times, then unless you find their objection, in other words, what is the worst thing that will happen if you lose the weight? If you don't find that, they either won't succeed or they'll succeed and then revert so something like the friendly alien technique or to get inside the psyche and or to do the quantum thing go and visit this you you know if this you had to say this is the downside find out what that is and what has to happen for you to do this in a way that doesn't make you boring and let them reveal their strategy to you i think um, behavior wise uh, it's really tempting sometimes and as a coach or a therapist under that banner to say, okay, I've got this really, and be evangelical. I've got this really great strategy and I've done this and it works and it, I've got this work with this client and that's great, so I'm going to do it with the next client that comes in. Is it, it might probably won't work with the next client that comes in because they're different. And so if you pay attention to what they say and how they phrase things, let them reveal their strategy to you. And it, when you go and inter- get them to go and interview this you in the future and have a real conversation about what was hard, what was easy and bring that back so you can get the benefit of timeline work and I do a lot of timeline work so I get them to literally walk out I'll orientate their timeline so the future's in front, the past is behind, I'll have them walk back to the fatter you when they first got those behaviors what were you thinking walk through now into the future to the new you that's already succeed have have him or her look back tell you what was what was the magic change what was the turning point and i have them walking up and down so so i'm not giving them a strategy i'm teasing it out of them and i think if you have that mindset it really helps obviously with with the nutrition side i i have that as as a package the color code system is flexible but you know really seriously if if you want to get the book and and read it and follow some of those principles in my compliments then I'm I'm very happy to do that and and uh, it's about it's just about being tenacious isn't it and and just understanding oh okay that's interesting that that didn't work and that's interesting but actually this might work and some of the best techniques I've ever come up with I've come up On the spot when I'm doing it because I've been zoned into this person and I hear myself say something and I think oh that was good and it wasn't because I pre-planned it it was because I paid attention and I elicited what they needed from them.
0: Beautiful beautiful and we're going to link to all these book recommendations in the show notes over at worksmarthypnosis.com highly encourage pick up placebo diet I've got it I've read it it's fantastic and Janet where can people find out more about you online.
1: Well, the theplacebodiet.co.uk is the main website. And in fact, there's, a, the, there's an online program there that people can follow through with or without coaching. But the first lesson is free to anybody. So if you want to download the free lesson, that will give you um, an overview of how I present it to the clients. Uh, and so you're welcome to use anything that you hear in that process and any of the phrases and talking about the importance of mindset as part and parcel of it and the importance of guided meditation. So that's what I send out clients before I see them as a setup. So if that's a useful tool for you, please, please help yourself. Um, And I'm in the process now of training placebo diet coaches so that other people can deliver this. So there's information about that. And I'm coming to Vegas, which I'm very excited about. So I shall be at Vegas um, in August, which is obviously where I met you last year, which was great. So I'm speaking at the conference there on the placebo diet, and I'm doing a two-day post-conference certified TFT course, which I'm happy to say Rick is coming along. Bless him for awesome. mentioning it the other day. So, yeah, I'm going to be over there. I'd love to interact. If, if any of you guys listening are, are going to the hypno conference, um, please, please come and say hello. I'd love to, I'd love to say hi.
0: And then also your, uh, your actual business practice is powertochange.me.uk.
1: Yeah, uk. That's my coaching website. Um, and there is a link from there to the placebo diet for weight loss clients. And that's where I, I run my training company from if I've, I'm running TFT courses or various other coaching-based courses from there. So that's my non-weight loss site, if you like.
0: Awesome, Janet. So awesome having you on here. See, everything
1: comes in twos.
0: It does. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Lynette here once again, and as always, thank you so much for interacting with this program, for leaving your positive reviews online, sharing it on your social media streams, and I'd share the stage on this one to tell you to head over to Janet's websites and check out the book Placebo Diet, highly recommend it, it's a great read, also again, check out Hypnotic Workers It's the all-access pass. I see so many hypnotists who have a lot of great techniques, a lot of great strategies, but it's that challenge of how do you put it all together? And that's specifically why I built Hypnotic Workers, to have that choose-your-own-adventure library to go in and model things that work, customize to your client, and get outstanding results. Check that out, hypnoticworkers.com. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com.